Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. We all have been going through this pandemic together. We're at 65 days of COVID-19 here in the city of Beaumont. We all know now what it means to be uh, ordered to stay at home and work safe. And we're all familiar now with social distancing and what that means. But we're starting to sense quarantine fatigue among the people. The now norm is creating unprecedented stress and anxiety on people. And there is a longing for corporate worship again. The Song of Songs, chapter 5 and verse 8, we read, the woman speaking, I beg you, sisters in Jerusalem, if you find my lover, please tell him I want him, that I am heartsick with love for him. God's people are heartsick ready to experience corporate worship again. Holy Spirit has been dealing with me. He's laid on my heart that after the COVID-19 pandemic, America must rediscover her passion for true corporate worship. Again, in the Song of Songs, chapter five and verse two, we read the woman again speaking, I was sound asleep. But in my dreams, I was wide awake. Oh, listen, it's the sound of my lover knocking, calling out to me. You remember on May the 25th, 2014, Chuck Pierce stood on this platform and released the word over this church that this house is as the house of Solomon for this hour. He read what will be my text this morning out of the Song of Songs chapter 5 verses 2 through 8. And that night was the first night that we actually introduced the song that we worship here, that we sing, the Song of Solomon. So this was a prophetic moment for us. And in that moment, we realized that God was truly calling this church to be a house of worship, to be a church that's presence-driven, that we would be lovers of him, and that we would be pioneers, and and we would blaze a trail for others to follow. So, in this moment, as we are dealing with uh, the COVID-19, stay at home, social distancing, as we're beginning to experience this quarantine fatigue and this unprecedented stress and anxiety, as we're beginning to hear people longing for corporate worship again, in this moment, I hear the sound of Holy Spirit knocking on the doors of the churches here in America. As the woman in the Song of Songs said, listen, I hear the sound of my lover knocking and he's calling out to me. Let's look in the Song of Songs, chapter five, verse two through eight. The scriptures that Chuck Pierce read on May the 25th, 2014 the woman speaking, but I, am my, but I am in my nightgown. Do you expect me to get dressed? I'm bathed and in bed. Do you want me to get dirty? But my lover wouldn't take no for an answer. And the longer he knocked, the more excited I became. I got up and opened the door to my lover, sweetly ready to receive him. 
desiring and expectant as I turned the door handle. But when I opened the door, he was gone. My loved one had tired of waiting and left, and I died inside. Oh, I felt so bad. I ran out looking for him, but he was nowhere to be found. I called into the darkness, but no answer. The, the night watchmen found me as they patrolled the streets of the city. They slapped and beat and bruised me, ripping off my clothes. These watchmen who were supposed to be guarding the city. I beg you, sisters in Jerusalem, if you find my lover, please tell him I want him, that I am heartsick for him. Let's title this Heartsick for His Presence. I want you to understand this story, this allegory uh, that represents the conversation, the relationship between a man and a woman, God and Israel, or Christ and his church. This is a series of poems that were written. And as you read this, you see the intensity of this relationship, the intimacy. And it does represent God's love for Israel and Christ's love for the church and vice versa. But I want you to understand the setting of this story. The story is of a poor family of Ephraim in which there's a girl who is similar to Cinderella. The poverty of her family forced her into the vineyards to work where she met a young shepherd. Now the story of their love is first told and then this young shepherd leaves her with the promise that he would return. Now he was absent for a long time and she despairs of his return. One day, there's a, there's a lot of excitement in the streets and the word went out and they were shouting that King Solomon is coming. And she was not interested and takes no further notice until the word is brought to her that the king wants to see her. She is puzzled until she is brought into his presence where she recognizes him as her shepherd lover. He takes her into his palace in Jerusalem where most of the song that we read here takes place. The relationship between this handmaiden and her shepherd lover who actually turns out to be her king. The relationship between Christ and his church. Three points this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that she mentioned in verse two, oh, listen, it's the sound of my lover and he's knocking at the door. He is calling me. I want you to see first here, number one, that she gave a statement of inconvenience. Verse three, I'm in my nightgown. Do you expect me to get dressed? I'm bathed in bed. Do you want me to get dirty? She didn't want to get out of bed and dirty her feet on the dusty floor to open the door to him. This was a moment of inconvenience. A natural reaction causing a silly complaint before the passion of love is awakened. For after this moment, the passion of her love is awakened within her. But in this one moment, a natural reaction of this is just not convenient for me. I've said this before and I'll say it again, that the day of the convenient Christian is over and it's time for Christians with conviction. The pandemic truly has awakened the church. I believe it's awakened Christians across this nation. And the time of convenience is over. It's time to be people of conviction. 
that we worship when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. When we go to church when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. We serve God when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. We have to be a people of conviction. And I do believe that the pandemic has forced that upon us. It's brought us back to this great conviction and this great passion. It's awakened this within us. The second thing I want you to see in this moment is that there was a love that refused to take no for an answer. The scriptures say in verse four, five, and six, but my lover would take no for an answer. The longer he knocked, the more excited I became. But when I opened the door, he was gone. He knocked, he waited, he knocked, he waited. And eventually she opened the door and he was gone. William Shakespeare made the statement, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Perhaps the isolation of the pandemic will awaken the passion for corporate worship in America again. He's knocked and he's knocked for years. We said it's inconvenient for me. Serving God is not convenient. Doing this is not convenient. But suddenly the pandemic hit. Churches were closed, social distancing, stay-at-home order, work-safe order. And suddenly, this passion within people, as in with our young handmaiden here, is awakened. Is awakened. Because we go to the door, and the door is closed. Suddenly, he's, no, he's not there. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Perhaps this moment of social distancing is going to awaken this passionate love within the hearts of people across America. And here in chapter five and verse eight, we read, I beg you sisters in Jerusalem, if you find my lover, please tell him I want him, that I'm heart sick with love for him. She ran out of her cottage and she ran through the streets of Jerusalem and she was crying out, if you see him, please tell him that I'm heart sick for him. People have contacted the church, social media, across the nation. People are saying, when will the churches reopen? I miss corporate worship. I miss the community of believers. I miss being together. I miss God's presence. Suddenly, people are running through the streets of America saying, when will they lift this stay-at-home order? When will the churches reopen? I've gone to the door. He knocked so many times through the years, and I was just too busy. It wasn't convenient. It just, it just didn't fit into my schedule. But now they're going to the doors, and the door's closed, and he's not there. People are saying, when will the doors open again? Please tell him that I miss him. Please tell him that I am heartsick. Perhaps social distancing has created new space in our hearts, space that God can now occupy. Perhaps the social distancing around us has made room for him because before we were way too busy, way too crowded with the things of this world. Now, our stadiums are empty where our present day gladiators gather to entertainers, entertain us. And I have nothing, uh, nothing, I have no problem with sports. I love sports. But our stadiums are empty now where the gladiators would gather to entertain us and they're empty and they're silent. The stock market has been up and down Wall Street is empty. Businesses are closed. The pursuit of gold has, 
has, has ceased. And now there's room. There's room for us. There's room for God. Suddenly the social distancing has created an empty space within our hearts. Our hearts were full with so many things, the pursuit of so much. But this pandemic has helped us to reprioritize. And suddenly, things that maybe were at down at the bottom of the list have come back to the top. Things like God and our health and our family and our friends, relationships. Suddenly, the pandemic has created empty space in our heart, a space now that maybe God can occupy. And I say this because Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14 says, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealousy is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. And God has a way of getting our attention. And he says, if you won't, if you won't make room for me, then I'll shut down your businesses. If you won't make room for me, I'll close the stadiums. If you won't make room for me, I can cause you to experience this social distancing and I can create space around you where suddenly you can find time and you can make room for me. She said, he's knocking at the door, but I went to the door and he wasn't there. She ran into the street to the city and said, please, if you see my lover, tell him that I want him. Tell him I am heart sick. Our second point, what's so special about him? We read this in chapter five, verse nine. What's so great about your lover, fair lady? What's so special about him that you beg for our help? I want you to, just hear her description of her lover. As she goes out in the street to the city to say, where is my lover? Help me find him. And she begins to describe him in verses 10 through 16 so they will recognize him. She said, he's one in a million. There is no one quite like him. His eyes are like doves brimming with meaning. His voice, his words are warm and reassuring. He stands tall, strong, and he's deep-rooted. And everything about him, everything delights me. The Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 1. So where has this love of yours gone, fair one, they asked her. Where on earth can he be? Can we help you look for him? Understand that there are three characters in this story. The bride, the bridegroom, and the friends the woman, the man, and the people around them. And so they asked her, where on earth can he be? After hearing you describe him, now we're ready to help you find him. He's one in a million. His eyes are like doves. His voice is warm and reassuring. He stands tall. He delights you. Where, where is he? Let, let us help you find him. You see, our worship of him should be of such passion that it convinces men to believe in him also. Our worship 
not only what we do in the sanctuary, but the life of worship, the life we live every day in the marketplace, in our home, in church, wherever we are, the life of worship that we live, it should be done with such passion that it would convince men to believe in him. As with our handmaiden here, the people in the streets of our cities should say to us, I've I've heard you describe him. I've, I've seen your worship. I've seen the passion with which you live life. I hear you talk about God and I hear you talk about Christ. And it's not a historical Christ to you, but he's a living Christ. And you've convinced me to believe in, in him. Can I help you find him? My worship should convince men to follow after him in our services. I'm not calling for fanaticism or sensationalism, but I am calling for passion in our services. Men should come and should stand and we should worship with passion. I'm not calling for any type, any any demonstration. I'm just calling for passion. I'm just calling for people to worship from their innermost being. For preachers, you don't have to get loud, you don't have to get low, you don't have to scream and holler. I'm not calling for any particular expression. What I am calling for is a pastor, preachers of the gospel that will preach from their very being, that will preach not what they know, but who they are, that will preach from from the, the well from deep inside, that you preach from your heart and not just from your head where you don't preach just knowledge, but you preach experience. You have to know a living Christ. I'm not here as a historian to teach you about a historical Christ, but I'm here as a disciple of him to introduce you to a living Christ that I have met. Our passion, may our worship When you talk of Christ, do you talk of a historical figure? Or do you move men? Do you move men with your passion and your love for him? Where men are convinced and they believe in him. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, in verse 25 through 29, listen to the words of what we believe to be the Apostle Paul. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. He speaks. God is speaking. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven... At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing social distancing, stay at home order, the removing of what can be shaking, those things that are created so that what cannot be shaken, the spiritual may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God 
acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Listen to what he said. Him who speaks. Perhaps God is saying to a world that's gone quiet, can you hear me now? He said he's going to remove what can be shaken, those things that are created. Perhaps this time is shaking the idolatry from our hearts and making room for him. He said, so that what cannot be shaken may remain, making room for God in our hearts once again. Let us be thankful and worship God. So know this, God did not cause the virus to cause suffering in people's lives, but he is allowing it and using it to accomplish a spiritual purpose. Everyone is asking the question, why is this happening? This comes out of 6,000 years of a cursed environment, man living in sin, the iniquity that's in the bloodline and diseases and pestilence and plagues that are released upon this earth. God did not cause it, but God will use it. This pandemic comes out of the fall of man. You can trace it all the way back to Genesis 3, all the way back to man's failure. It comes out of that cursed environment, that iniquity in the blood. God didn't cause it, but he's using it. He's using it to make room for him in our hearts. He's using it to shake off the idolatry. He's using it to get the attention of a world, a world that's grown quiet. Our city streets, our businesses, gone quiet. And he asked the question, can you hear me now? And he speaks. I ask you, has the quarantine loneliness reminded you of how special he is to you? As we stand looking out the windows of our homes at a world that's been shut down and we're left to ourselves, and we're left to our thoughts, we're left to take inventory, to examine ourselves, to see where we are in the faith. Has this quarantine loneliness reminded me of how special he is to me? In my loneliness, where I lose the contact of friends and even the community of believers where I can't come in here Sunday after Sunday to get a boost to help me make it through the week. When I'm forced to be alone in my home and I'm forced to face who I am, who he is, and the place he holds in my heart. When I am forced to feed myself from God's word. When I am forced to be still and to be quiet and know that he is God. When I am forced has this quarantine loneliness reminded me of how special he is to me? He's one in a million. His eyes are like doves. His voice is warm. He stands tall. He is a delight to me. Has it brought me back to my first love, to my passion? Can your life of worship convince a world to believe in him. Can it happen? Our first point was he's knocking at the door. But when we finally, out of convenience, out of that moment of convenience, we finally got up 
and checked the door, he was gone. And it awakened something within us. It stirred that passion within us. And now we ask the question, can it convince a world? I'm left alone. And can it convince a world of my love and my passion for him? Do I remember what's so special about, about him? My third point is the dance of the Shulamite woman. The dance of the Shulamite. Chapter 6, verse, verse 13, we read, Dance, dance, dear Shulamite. Angel princess, dance. And we, the friends of the bridegroom, we will feast our eyes on your grace. Everyone wants to see the Shulamite dance, her victory dance of love and peace. The word Shulamite here in the Hebrew means the perfect, the perfect. I want you to now just see. I spoke about the bride and her description of the bridegroom, but now I want to reverse that. And I want you to hear how the bridegroom describes his Shulamite lover in chapter 6, verses 4 through 10. I want you to understand how this man feels about this woman, how God feels about Israel, and how Christ feels about you. You need to hear this. You need to know how he feels about you. He said, she's as lovely as Jerusalem, the city of dreams. Your beauty is too much for me. I'm in over my head. There's no one like her on earth. Never has been and never will be. She is dawn fresh, moon lovely, sun radiant, ravishing as the night sky with its galaxies of stars. This is what Christ thinks of you. Now this love language, this intimacy, this passion is uncomfortable for us, especially the males as we contemplate our relationship with Christ but God went to this extreme in an attempt to give us just, just a glimpse of how he feels. And it just scratches the surface. He, he ran out of words. And so he just ends up saying, you're as ravishing as the night sky with the galaxies of stars. That's how he describes the church. Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 5. I rose to open for my lover. My hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the boat. Myrrh is an Arabian gum from the bark of a tree used in sacred oil and perfume. You have to know that there was a custom of that day. A custom of the day for the lover to place sweet-smelling myrrh inside the handle of the bride's door. When she arose and placed her hand on the handle, she discovered the myrrh and she knew he had been there and had gone. So they would take the myrrh and make oil and perfume out of it and the bridegroom would anoint the handle on the door of the, the, the bridal chamber so that when she got up and touched it, she'd smell the myrrh and know that her lover had come during the night to visit her. I believe 
There is a newfound hunger for corporate worship rising in America. Perhaps through the internet, the lover of the Song of Songs has placed sweet smelling myrrh on the door handles of our homes, drawing us back to our churches, back to him, and back to true corporate worship. Just perhaps, just perhaps, through the internet, live streaming, just perhaps through our website and Facebook, just perhaps, the lover of the Song of Songs has taken the perfume, the myrrh, and he's anointed our homes as our families gather together in their living rooms and together they sit there and they watch church online and they worship and they hear the word and they, they're there in this stay-at-home order, this pandemic, this social distancing. They're there in their homes and, and, and suddenly the lover of our soul enters into the living room and he anoints the room and it's the smell of myrrh and it's, it's his way of letting them know, uh, listen, I, I know you're, you're, you're missing me right now, but I'm starting to woo you and I'm, I'm starting to draw you back, America. I want you to come back to the churches and back to worship and back to serving me, not out of convenience, but out of conviction. Just maybe... Just maybe throughout the pandemic, around the world, I see him. I see him looking in the windows, peering in the windows of homes. I see him listening to families as they're online, as they're watching online church services and trying to worship and receive the word. He watches. And his heart is aching because he wants to be with us as a corporate body. I know he's in your home. He's with me. But I'm talking about corporate worship now. There's, there's nothing that can take the place of when the ecclesia, the church, comes together. There's a dynamic there, an experience there that you can't capture in any other moment. Corporate worship. I'm speaking about that. The church. And he's saying, I, I miss you. I miss my bride. I miss my bride, but I'm going to use this pandemic. I didn't cause it, but I'm going to use it. It's going to shut down your stadiums. It's going to shut down your business. It's going to shut down your pleasure. It's going to shut down your seeking after the things of this world. And it's going to force you to be alone and to face the reality of who you are, who I am, and the role that I play in your life. But I miss you, my bride. I miss you. So he starts anointing our homes with myrrh. And the aroma of his presence begins to fill our homes. And people be, are starting to say, hey, Pastor, when can we come back together? I miss the church. I miss corporate worship. I miss my lover. I miss him. Can we come back together? Can we do this, Pastor? When can we do this? It's that myrrh. He's anointed the door on our homes and he's doing it to woo us back in. He said in Revelation, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I see him all across America, around the world, anointing doors calling us back to him.
in closing. Worship team, come help me. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. Love is invincible, facing danger and death. Passion laughs at the terror of hell. The fire of love stops at nothing. It sweeps everything before it. Notice there, leave that, leave that scripture on the screen just for a moment, guys. Number one, notice that through our godly love, we will defeat the pandemic. He said love is invincible. It will face death itself. Number two, by our passion, we will overcome fear. He said passion laughs in the face of hell. And with the fire of worship, we will sweep the COVID-19 from the streets of America. He said the fire of love stops at nothing. It sweeps everything before it. Everything. I pray for the government, our health industry to find a vaccine for COVID-19. I pray for that. But I know that the real answer, the real cure lies in God. I believe the church holds in its hand a power that it needs to awaken to. The church needs to rise up in this hour with its love and its passion with this fire of worship. And it it, that fire of worship needs to begin to purge America. It needs to begin to sweep the COVID-19 out of our streets. The church needs to rise up and begin to truly worship God. I believe that God, though he didn't cause it, he uses it. He allows it and he uses it to bring about a revival to the church that creates a spiritual awakening in our streets that will allow us to cast the net and pull in a great harvest of souls. I believe that. So let the worship arise in our churches. Let the worship, the fire of worship arise. Let the fire of revival begin to burn out the, the COVID-19, burn out the coronavirus, burn out the pandemic, cleanse the nation. Let us repent of our idolatry and our immorality and let us rise up and with the fire of worship, cleanse the nation. I hear the sound of Holy Spirit knocking on the doors of the churches in America. And he's saying, I miss you. I'm the love of your soul. It's time for you to make room for me once again. On May the 25th, 2014, out of the Song of Solomon, chapter five, verses two through eight, Chuck Pierce released a word on this platform that this house is as the house of Solomon for this hour. And so I say this morning, I release a word, I declared in this house, regarding the spirit of worship, the fire of worship that will burn out the COVID-19. I declare it right now. This word of chapter six, verse 13, dance, dance, oh dear Shulamite, angel princess, dance. We'll feast our eyes on your, gra your grace. Everyone wants to see the Shulamite dance for victory, the dances of love and the dances of peace.
Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.